0: It's not about being Luke Skywalker, it's about being Yoda, asking the right questions, getting the right answers, and guiding people to the result. That's my takeaway today with our guest, Anthony Palomba, and his insights of what it means to take and make real content. Enjoy this episode.
1: I teach storytelling with Data and leadership comm because those are just like some of the core classes you have to teach. Guys, I show them a Batman comic book the first class, <laughs> no and way. I talk to them about storyboard. that Chris Christopher Nolan doesn't doesn't shoot stuff just to shoot stuff. He shows you what you need to see. He shows it right in your face. And he also doesn't show you things on purpose. And you gentlemen might remember this. The scene, I I also show uh, a scene. So it's not really a comic book, but it's more of a storyboard. Storyboard, yeah. Yeah. It looks like a comic book. It's the scene where Batman is up against Heath Ledger's Joker. And Heath Ledger is in the truck and Batman is in the Batmobile in the city. And they're they're racing against each other. But you literally see arrows and coloring and all of this stuff to direct traffic. How is that any different than a business presentation? When you're talking mm-hmm. about a P.E. ratio, you're talking about a multiple. Right. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. you have highlight call out boxes. You have arrows and an arrow. you have top line <laughs> takeaways. Yeah, you have the Yeah, arrows, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's. That's, I call them that you're direct, I tell them that you're directing scenes, you know, and I, I, I know yeah. that sounds a bit strange and unorthodox, but you have to tell me what the story is. And in the beginning, you have to give me a situation, the recommendation, listen, 20 minutes into Batman, the three of us know we were watching it. Batman's going <laughs> to defeat Joker. We know this. Yeah. It, it, that's not, that's not why we watch. We watch right. to see how we get there. Right. And that's mm. the power of having a bottom line up front to say, oh, you know, Keith is telling me that we should. You know, open up a new brewery or whatever. Okay, right. So, um, I I know what's going to happen in the presentation. I'm 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 bored because he gave a really interesting situation and recommendation tension in the beginning, and says we need to
0: do this. So, what's the rest of the presentation going to look like, and how is he going to get me there? So, I'm so glad you're helping Keith open this brewery because Vision Craft <laughs> Brewery's gotta get. <laughs>
2: Not technically a brewery, a brewery, but that's okay. That's all right. I know. I get to hear it all the time. You're great. <laughs> but,
1: you know, the, the, the other thing I'll say to that, that, Tim, is like, when you think about leadership communication and be, being able to communicate, you've got a million MBAs out of Harvard, Yale, Virginia, NYU, right? All these sexy brands. How do you distinguish yourself? A discount cash flow is, is a pain to run, but can be learned, as can net right. present value. So, so how do you, how do you, you know, show yourself out from a crowd? Communication, your ability to articulate a presentation, your ability to say something compelling, be interesting. Um, And these, these all fall within how you express yourself. I tell my students, go watch musicals, go see Broadway, go see theater, go see how other people comport themselves. I don't think you can bust into the music man in a board
0: meeting, but think about ways oh, I'd love which- to see that <laughs> I'd love to see that too <laughs> it is about a con man after all <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is. <That's> true. <laughs> this is true this is this, this is true uh, now I'm, I'm hearing Henry
1: Hill sitting like right here in River City <laughs> right yeah, there you go speaking
0: <laughs> of the Simpsons episode with the monorail oh my god um but uh well it's interesting because like and I, I was saying this earlier is that you know the reason how Why Keith and I got connected early on was Mm. we were asked by some major corporations, honestly, that are on OTT platforms to think about and strategize about the what to watch issue, the what to watch problem on all these platforms. And it was about audience engagement and trying to help people navigate through that ridiculous infinite scroll. And to really get into what audience behavior is, how do you relate to your audience, well, you have to break through and it can't just be a data feed like that's yeah. right? I don't people I mean, you can analyze it and eventually get there. But you actually want to direct the traffic mm-hmm. to the areas and investments you've made so that people go watch that show. Keith, coming from a marketing background and in, um, in feature film is exactly that hey, we've invested $100 million into one hundred and nine million dollars into air, and it's <laughs> bombed. What story did we not tell? One hundred thirty
2: million. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. It's so it's that there's an there's an audience engagement part of it trying to convey mm-hmm. to, to get to the other side of the equation as fast as possible, and story breaks through, doesn't it? Always, always. I mean, stories lead us, right? I mean, we think about
1: I I, I think about today Gen Z and Gen Alpha, how persnickety and how choosy they are. My God generations that that are less inclined to drive, less inclined to go drink, less inclined to date, it's very difficult to to really persuade them on anything. They're markedly skeptical of a lot yeah. of the institutions that other generations have gone through, right rights of passage And I think those generations are particularly sensitive to to storytelling. I, yeah, I you can not be more
0: why... anti-80s than no dating, no drinking, and no no, day, I, no drinking. Agreed. Like, I, I grew up watching Porky's and Animal
1: House. I'm like, oh, okay, like, this is what I'm going to do normal, as an adult.
2: Right? You know?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's, you know. John Hughes was like, come on, that was my childhood, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I, the stories are everything. I, it, you have to pull people based on something that they can self-relate to. And that's that's another piece of what I teach in storytelling with data and what I'm going to teach in an upcoming class in media and entertainment business is why do people need art? There's a lot of self-reflection that goes into things. You know, when people see a Maserati going down the street, they don't think, oh, that guy must have a really great life. Most people think, I wish I had that. I wish I was mm-hmm. in that, right? So it's it's always thinking about how you can implicate, I think, your audience in different stories and, and, and what do they take from it? Um, Oh, because so we're always kind of reevaluating ourselves as consumers.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because Tim go live and dies by this philosophy, which I think is really great. And, and he always tells a lot of his clients, you always have to start with the why, like why, why is why you want to tell this story, and it, and you also have to keep in mind your audience as well, and what what play that plays into the story you're going to tell. And my contention is, is one of the biggest problems in Hollywood is that why and is sort of left aside and it's like, I just want to do this because I just want to tell it, this story. And that's not enough anymore with the preponderance of content that is available. Now it's just, it's not, it's not going to be sailing enough for people to be interested unless you really go in with a solid why that's going to tie it back to the audience. And what, like you said, a lot of the sort of this idea of this wish fulfillment and the idea of why do they want to go on this journey with you? And it can't just be like, well, because I really want to make this movie which is kind of what happens now more than ever. Um, and I think we need to get back to this idea that the audience at the end of the day has to be a central part of the conversation before the movie even sort of gets off the ground. And I don't think that's really happening much anymore. And Ayer is a perfect example of that. It's clearly a movie that a bunch of executives always wanted to make Ben and De- Matt wanted to work together and make it together and there was never a consideration well does anybody really want to spend an hour and a half in a the theater and watch a movie about a shoe from the 80s uh, <laughs> because I've already I, seen I, the documentary
0: I, too by the yes, way yes exactly like and there's been... already
2: content about it elsewhere so yeah oh. uh,
0: anyway yeah there's like an ESPN documentary
1: about this thing already yeah yeah, yeah 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 you know gentlemen I I know who Phil Knight is I know who Sonny Vaccaro is I but I bet if you and I listen we could pick we could pick West Hollywood, we could pick Brooklyn, New York. We can go wherever you want. I I would challenge any of us within a half hour or even an hour to find five people who know who, who those people are. You know, <laughs> exactly. truthfully. As profound as they are. And right. you know, I don't I don't know at this point if people are really excited about athletic shoes, right? We don't really see commercials as much. Um, I think Kyrie Irving has who had a, a sneaker deal has left, you know, some bad residue around that. Um, mm-hmm. it's been difficult to kind of parse out who's with what shoe brand anymore. And I think the marketing has is, is just not in vogue, right? When I think about youngsters getting shoes, they're not going after shoes, they're going after computers because they're following esport athletes, right? So, like, that's kind of another thing. Like, when I saw this movie being being put together okay it's damon and affleck so that we do some risks who is it for is is it another four quadrant thing because gross you know like (laughs) gross
0: (laughs) gross
1: (laughs) love it (laughs) it's just like so we're just checking boxes like you know what's in the zeitgeist that suggests that people want to learn about nike and and what sonny vaquero was doing in the 50s and 60s through the 80s with you know finding talent in
0: new york city on 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 the you know hard tops all right so anthony get tell us some of the secrets because if i understand it right you've done some research of how and why audiences consume content so uh yeah the people that listen to this podcast are the creators they want their mm. uh, shows to be seen and pitches to be heard And I I want them to remember this moment because you're going to give them (laughs) a pot of gold in the rainbow here. pot of (laughs) gold. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. I, you know, it's interesting doing research because if if you remember the fable with the uh, seven blind mice, they're all around an elephant. You know, one kind of is pulling the tail. One says, oh, I I think it has a foot. So it it, it feels very much like that as a researcher where you're kind of chipping away at things. Um, You know. One study that I did found that, you know, consumer personalities and lifestyles can inform genres um, that they watch. Uh, Demographics and lifestyles can inform the the platforms on which people watch. And so, you know, step one is how you think your audience might consume something. And and I mean that sincerely. Martin Scorsese and Spielberg have a lot to say these days about movies not being in movie theaters. Now, they are true auteurs in, in, in the French sense of, of what a true artist is. You know, you, Absolutely. you Tarantino's up there as well. Um, yeah. I, I, I That is one thing in particular. How do you want your audience to consume content? Personalities and lifestyles is a bit difficult to derive unless you're working with market research. Um, but I think that even doing a competitive analysis and seeing what people are viewing versus what's going on in the world is also critical. I'm, I'm doing an in-depth interview uh, study with creatives, with the marketing prof at Pepperdine. And what we're trying to figure out is what makes a TV series a hit in the view of creatives. So I, I hope to have an even better insight into this in the next year. But what I'm also interested in is creating a subsequent study about how we think about the pop culture zeitgeist, right? We always reference this is kind of
0: Nebulous, amorphic. Yeah, could you help me find the Zeitgeist? I would love to figure yeah. out where that guy lives. Where it went? <laughs> yeah. I just want to open the door to him every yeah. once in a while and just see what's inside. Maybe join him for well, a little moment. Like,
1: if you guys think about it, like Seinfeld should have never existed. It, it, it did terrible in the focus groups with yeah. with NBC. First three seasons, even yeah, awful. Yeah. It was a show about nothing. And then they made fun of themselves in the last season, which was super bold. Um, you know, when you think about that, how did they know? Um, and they may have not, and it might have been serendipitous, and I think that there's something to that effect, right? If I think of artists like Leo Da Vinci, I don't think he thought that his tank drawings and helicopter drawings were going to be <laughs> amazing. And I don't think Picasso right. thought about that either, or Salvador Dali with with some of their paintings. So I think there is there is an emphasis for artists, I think, in being themselves and really embodying what they believe to be true. But I, if I think about movies that really touch on what people are interested in, I think it usually reflects reality, right? I mean, in the last 15 years, people have felt disempowered, and I'm not surprised that superhero movies took off in the last 15 years. Mm. Student loans, higher house prices... I mean, my God, where can I have some agency over my life? And Robert Downey Jr. as an affected but flawed superhero is super cool to connect with when in reality, I might not be able to be that superhero.
0: It was a great turn, hasn't it been, in the superhero genre Mm -hmm. or that there was always a moment where they went to the dark side. And I, I remember... In my lifetime, thinking this is so unsuperhero, right? Because it's not ever yeah. the superheroes that were presented to me. But really, in creating a universe, you have to always have the struggle internally of the good and bad and then externally the good and bad so that they generate a connectivity together. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and But I also like our, our theory a little bit is like those days are also done now. And we call it the end of the blockbuster. What started with Spielberg and Jaws, a $100 million film, finished with Endgames. Because because the technology shifted, the pandemic moved people to homes, theaters are not going to be the draw anymore, the distractions are greater. To think that we're going to really launch into billion-dollar opening weekends, again, Mm. in the theater chain, probably not. We're going to have to find a different way of connecting to audiences and not just go like, hey, let's, Let's go make the next big blockbuster. I think
1: I think those days are done. I think you're hitting on something, and I recognize that I, I've I've kind of monopolized this conversation a little bit. So I actually want to pay some deference to you two, and I actually want to throw a question back at you two. Uh-oh. Oh,
2: oh, what, what do you uh-uh. what,
1: <laughs> what do you make of Jeff Katzenberg and Meg Whitman's quibby? Because this was the oh. reason why oh. that was supposed to work, yeah. and. I don't know. In, in in thinking about what you just stated, Tim, and your your expertise, both of you, and then thinking about fitting into the pop
0: culture zeitgeist, what do you two make of that? We we trashed the heck out of this thing. When yeah, you we did. You or two years
2: ago, whatever. <laughs> you got we should send you the episode because we spent like thirty minutes just trashing we the whole it. concept.
0: Well, it's almost like oh, you want to want you to explain it, Keith?
2: Well, I mean, it it really it. I think a lot of it was almost uh, it was a it was a timing issue, I think as well, um, and I also think there was a, a frustration level with the UI as well and sort of how it worked. And ten minutes, well, I think the whole concept behind it was okay. So people don't have a ton of time; they're constantly pulled. So we'll just make it nice and short, right? And they'll get in and out. They'll be able to watch an episode while they're waiting for a junior to finish up dance lessons or whatever. And then they can just pick it up later. But I think the what they underestimated was that that's not 10 minutes is not going to get anyone invested, right? What made something like Netflix, what made sort of House of Cards so successful right out of the gate was the fact that they put all 13 episodes all all at once, which was unheard of at the time. You basically had to wait another week before you could watch Mm -hmm. the next next episode. But with Netflix and House of Cards and dumping all 13 episodes of season one all at once, people were able to binge. They basically Mm -hmm. invented the binge and could be invested in the characters and invested in the story. But 10 minutes was not enough. They didn't get anything that sort of like the other thing is was, was in terms of like the zeitgeist, it's like, you got to get something that sort of just pops and then people just like it. Everyone's talking about it, you know, much like Stranger Things on Netflix that just sort of exploded out of nowhere, but they didn't really have anything like that. Mm. And I think ultimately all, that combined with a sort of lack of the ability for them to engage with it. Mm. I think what it felt like to me was it was like they got a ton of data that said people want, you know, just. It's they're overwhelmed and they sort of drew the long conclusion from that data. Yeah, you saying, didn't get okay, the
0: data, did you, Anthony? You didn't provide them <laughs> with that data. Right.
2: <laughs> you weren't <laughs> responsible for that, were you?
0: Um, they well, just maybe got the ask
2: the questions before
0: we answered here.
2: Qualify. What were you? What was your involvement in that moment? Uh, so I think they got the data and they just drew the long conclusion that people just yeah. wanted shorter, snackable content when actually mm. that wasn't really the case. Well, they want they still want to it, be investing stories.
0: Yeah, even looking back at that point, Keith, like you could see where they weren't wrong. It's not like right. Instagram stories and, and TikTok and Snapchat at the time. The, there were bite sized pieces that people can consume content. And now even YouTube <laughs> is almost promoting, promoting their shorts. Um, but if you go just back to the why, like, why, why again would I follow Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg just because they're Meg and Jeffrey? Like, I don't, that doesn't give me enough connectivity to the platform. Um, and what, to Keith's point exactly, like where was the character draw or the storyline draw that would make me want to go over there and watch it? We're like, mm. I know why I subscribed to Paramount. It's because of Yellowstone. Yeah. Like I don't, right. It's I'm, the, the story is drawing me over there. And I felt like they pushed way too much money on to the PR side. it, mm. and it feels to me very connected to why Steve Jobs next failed. He didn't ever deliver the the computer he just delivered the story about what was going to be and a lot of pr about it but then the machine itself was flawed it felt to me like just a repeat of that kind of a a push i think i think that that's fair and you so i have a few thoughts Then, so the
1: first one is we live in an age in which there are 20 year olds who you can't get to watch a movie but who will rave about euphoria and to be honest with you i find that fascinating um because euphoria is dark and deep and and hits on notes um so it's it's interesting when we talk about audience attention uh, again i think it gets back to authenticity like that show deals with real stuff and and i think understanding your audience a bit more in the grittiness that might be desired is one thing to to consider for artists uh what stu- what what students see what's on my mind what yeah. people are actually going through um is quite critical the other thing i want to leverage to you gentlemen and i'm curious what you think you know keith you said stranger things came out of nowhere i agree with you wholeheartedly yeah to an extent because there's a there's an intro i'm looking at the book now it's a big thick academic entertainment science book and one thing they talk about that i really loved in that book was novel yet familiar and that's exactly that's exactly what stranger things if if we're wondering why is this working? Why is this, you know, we look at franchises and like, how is this such a hit novel yet familiar? And, and I think that with stranger things, I -hmm. felt Goonies vibes. I felt ET vibes, all of these vibes just packaged differently. And in a very unique way that took risks. Um, because if your content doesn't take risks, the audience has no impetus to see how anything kind of resolves itself. Right. Um, and I, I, I think I, I watched shrinking the other day. I just wrapped up the first season, uh, Harrison Ford on television, a risk. That's interesting. Totally.
0: I to, I've been thinking the same thing. What's he doing <laughs> yeah. there? And then he comes across as a quirky person. And then what's it? 1923. Yeah. He's also on TV quasi very Harrison yeah. Ford rough. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's packaged differently. Right. And I, yeah.
1: I, 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 I like, pulling on this thread of novel yet familiar, because there are only so many stories that you can tell, but telling stories in a way that it's never been seen before. And I know that's become a platitude. And I, I'm even kind of like, oh, do I really have to say this on a podcast? <laughs> but, you know, they're, there, they and this is why it's an art, because I can't, I can't give you a p-value and tell you, oh, this is statistically significant. This is what you should be doing. Um, because it is an art, you know, in the way that you weave things around, but any artists listening to this, I hope you're reading the news. I, I hope that you're on, on blogs and, and seeing what people are talking about. Severance could not have come at a better time uh, when we're thinking about hybrid workspaces, when we're thinking about how do we literally just cut it off? I just want to cut the cord off, Keith, because it's six o'clock and I can't be thinking about dinner, uh, dinner anymore. I can't be thinking about work anymore. I have to go to dinner yeah. uh, with my w- wife and family. Um, yeah. I think shows that are plugged into the zeitgeist and like this is what I'm struggling with, man. Um,
0: those are the ones that are hits, gentlemen. And at least that's that's my. You opinion. have to listen, right? That's the you're yeah. really hitting on that. Like so, in the reverse engineering content that we teach, and and I wish I could claim that I came up with this, but it's actually Patrick Jager is the one who who kind of put this in order for me. Is that you start with the why, why you're making it clearly, and then you ask the who, who would this be relevant to? where does it play out? And then finally, what should I make? And I find that a lot of content makers want to start with the, what should I make? And then hope yeah. that there's an audience for it and a buyer. And and then when they can't find that, then they invest even more money in the what they should make and make an episode or, and they're just trying to sell the what without ever really recognizing what you're saying in this zeitgeist world is like, no, who is the audience? How are you connecting to the audience? And therefore what story connects with them? Yeah. And that reverse mm-hmm. engineering is the connecting point to the to the audience, to the story, and then eventually to the you know wherever the distribution is.
1: I it's tell interesting all my the, students, ch- oh, the
0: challenges that are constantly coming up in this industry. You almost want it to be solved and reta- retained, but for some reason, I feel like every person has to learn it new. Do you have a sense of why that is? Why why isn't it obvious that we're that every, like say newcomers are, have the same exact confusion and they can't see what feels like it's obvious once you get on the other side of the equation. Oh, I asked you a good question. Look at him. That's a good question.
1: It is, it, is, it is a good question. And <laughs> I, the, my gut response is that we're so oriented with ourselves. We have narrow scopes as people. We do. Nice. I got up today. I didn't come to feed the world. I, I came into the kitchen to feed myself, John. <laughs> right? So we're we're always thinking about ourselves. And we're always thinking about, well, this is what I want to do, because it's good for me. And I think through getting older, wiser, going through failures, going through risks, and everything else that comes with moving, getting laid off, getting fired, getting rejected from a woman or a man, or whatever, whatever your road is, has been, um, you quickly learn that success is through lifting others. And I don't, Think that that is really taught. I, I will say at Garden, this is all we talk about is 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 how we lift each other as teammates, which I think is quite refreshing. But even I myself is like a Ph.D. student, like a decade ago, I was all about myself. Of course, I was individualized study. I've got to go make out my own name, right? Um, and I I think that there are a few disciplines. I mean, you you learn it. I think in a com school, I I would hope. But, you know, people have big egos and people want to be the next, you know, Michael Bay or Ridley Scott or, you know, um, you know, whomever, Ron Howard, J.J. Uh, Abrams. And I think I think when you get caught up in the cult of your own personality, you wind up being your only fan, which is terrifying. Yeah. And you don't well wind up realizing that you're, you're really here to further conversations and serve humanity. I tell my students that they're Yoda. They're not Luke Skywalker when they present. And I know that I'm dipping in between my class and, 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 you know, in storytelling with data and and media business, but it's the same thing. You're there to spur other people to action when you
0: present as a business person, the same thing with being a creative. Can you say that again? That is the most brilliant line. (laughs) (laughs) Sure,
1: sure, sure, sure. So I tell my students that they are Yoda. They're not Luke Skywalker. They are there to spur people to action. They're there spur to advance people, to
0: action. That is spur people to action
1: and you're convincing people to change behavior and you're convincing them to t- take a risk. It's no different than watching a, a, a program. I was listening to something about extrapolations on Apple. I can't wait to watch that. It's going to be a hard watch because it deals with climate change, but like you're, you're furthering and advancing a conversation that gives me agita and stress but I'm also saying to myself, what the hell is gonna talk about this? And being heard and, and having light bulbs on in the room is quite impactful. The last thing I'll mention is I tell my students, if you're gonna to talk to finance people, mention revenue, mention KPIs that are gonna hit ding on the light bulbs, right? Yeah. If it's a conjoint analysis it's for marketing, if it's exponential smoothing or just in time, that's ops. Like you know which buzzwords, and I don't mean to call them buzzwords, but you know which words, Will hit light bulbs in the room. It's the same thing when you present content.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Wow, Keith, what he's talking about almost reminds me of the the quote about how Hollywood, you know, lives behind gates and then goes works oh, uh, behind yeah. gates and that yeah, echo yeah. chamber issue. That yeah,
2: yeah. So um, I had a old uh, boss, Anthony, and his mm-hmm. one, the one he, he had several little uh, phrases that he used to throw at us, and the one I loved the most was um was the philosophy of that in hollywood most people live behind gates and work behind gates and easily 98 percent of the audience does not and it's that sort of mentality i mean i've been in rooms where the conversation around marketing strategy and and just sort of the overall uh concept of the campaign it feels like they were just talking to their buddies at a cocktail party right and not realizing that there is an entire country and world that may not necessarily view things through the same prism. Mm-hmm. So, and I've always said, if you think your audience is dumb, then your marketing is going to be dumb. So that was sort of the, the. so what you, when you're saying like, you're not Luke Skywalker, you're more of a Yoda type. And I can tell you if that was actually the mentality of a lot of people in Hollywood and sort of the idea of spurring people to action and also that, that lifting others to their success is, is, is your key to your success. Ha! I mean, it would be a completely different industry totally because it's mm-hmm. in one industry. I think that is driven by ego more than most. And, but again, it goes to that whole idea is like, well, I know this is the best thing to do. I don't care, but this is what, this is, what's going to work for me. And that's all it also ties back to, you know, something I also talk a lot about with Tim in this idea that a lot of shows get made because an executive wants to walk into a room and be applauded by their colleagues. It's not that they want to walk into a room and just be like, you know, they made this movie and it made like a ton of money, but, you know, it wasn't Oscar worthy and it's not something that people are going to talk about at cocktail parties. So whoop dee dee doo. Mm -hmm. so it, it's, just, it's sort of interesting. I, I kind of look at it as almost like the Succession-Yellowstone problem. Like if you'd really dig into the numbers on Succession and Yellowstone, Yellowstone is a by far more popular show. But who does the media write about mostly? Succession. Mm-hmm. Because it's a show that they all watch in New York and LA and pretty much the rest of the country doesn't really care. But Yellowstone yeah. is hugely popular, which is why Taylor Sheridan is becoming a billionaire on that entire universe. But it's sort of, it ties into this whole idea that, you know, people just need to get I mean, I think, ultimately, it's like, just get out of your bubbles. Yeah, yeah we realize literally are,
0: the, it's literally for as flyover yeah. states and the reference yeah. there. But in reality, I think that's what was impressive about the film Maverick that say, or that and and thank God it was in the Oscar running and not just push off to the side of like, well, that was for the flyover people. But there was a yeah. reference to something that the audience actually wanted to see it wasn't just about some big storyline or some cause-driven story that the West Coast and East Coast wants to push, but it's a relatable story, a little bit a relatable character, and what you say, the novel, novel
2: yet familiar, familiar, novel yet, yet totally familiar.
0: It.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think of A.O. Scott at the New York Times. I think he's an Ivy League graduate. Yeah. You guys know this, in the last 200, 300 years, the people who've been privileged to evaluate art or, or you know, have their finger on the pop culture, they tend to be the most educated. Is that in touch with society? I don't know. Um, and I liken that a little bit to Frasier, right? Uh, part of the appeal of Frasier, the show, I know I'm going back 30 years, is a is highly educated man dealing with not so highly educated people and 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 finding
0: ways to still reach commonality. And you gentlemen are right, we need more of that. And turns out love is needed by all levels of education or not, right? That's the, <laughs> yeah. the takeaway. All right. So, Anthony, as it, as it, to wrap this thing up, imagine that Keith and I actually have our master's degree in media entertainment from the University of Virginia. What will we know differently once we have our master's degree? What is it that we actually need as a big takeaway to be a master? I don't want the BA level stuff or high school level, which I often think we talk about. I want to know master's degree level. What's the big uh, thing I need to know to to be a, an expert in my field? Why do we need art? Wait, that's the question? I, 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 oh my gosh, that's the greatest that is, question.
1: That is... Um, <laughs> I love it. I hope my prospective students are not listening to this because the first week of my media and entertainment business class, that is the first question I'm starting with. Why do we need art? You know, advertising, television, video games, I don't care, whatever. Why do we need art? Why is this society? Do we have sculptures sitting around? Why do people fly thousands of miles to see Michelangelo's David? and, And why do we need this stuff? What does it do for us? Um, I think starting at that point is is how you begin to scaffold what people really pull out from art and how art can further conversations. And I think that we we take these things for granted, but art is both a mass experience and an individual experience. Right? We can Snapchat ah, me. I'm at you know Michelangelo's David. Look at me and do like a selfie, and I guess that's maybe I don't know five hundred people maybe see it or something like that, and it's okay. Uh, it's fine. Um, but then being there and smelling, uh, what it smells like and, and the Sistine chapel and understanding the kind of goosebumps people get after they see stranger things for the first time, or they see euphoria and understanding the physiological responses we have to art to things that are made up gentlemen, to things that, that are in our dreams and in our minds. And, you know, none of this is real. Um we get an electric charge why do we get an electric charge from things that are not real to some extent then they must be real
2: you know what you reminded that 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 whole conversation just reminded me of the scene in goodwill hunting when uh robin williams sits down with matt damon and does says exactly the same thing what do you i was know thinking about, about, about that scene. you read it from what you read in a book like you've never experienced it and you've I, never smelled that, what it's like in the sistine chapel yeah, I, yeah. that's that's the quote exactly yeah. right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I'm
0: totally taking your class, by the way. It's <laughs> a, I don't even have to go convince my wife that it's a worthwhile investment to go back and get another master's degree and get another and one. <laughs> yeah, I you gentlemen are
1: welcome to sit in on any of the classes, and I'm not just oh. saying that for the podcast. Like, feel free to nice. email me. The very least I can I can drop you in uh, potentially as as a Zoom classmate. But uh, I will say, drop
0: us in as a teacher, I would love to put. Uh, <laughs> yeah doctor. <laughs> I've got no issue with that. Got to get my agent on the phone right now. We're making yeah, a we We're
2: something. For will, will,
0: all right. I,
2: I, my people will call your people.
0: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Wait, I have them on the phone right now, actually. Just real quick. No, I love it. You know what? I, by the way, perfect answer. I have a theory that in bachelor's level, they give you the questions and the answers. Masters, they give you the questions. You need to find the answers. In PhD, mm. you have to find the question and answer yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that a great question in the master's level is why we need art. A- absolutely. Oh, that's so great. And the connectivity <sighs> to history and purpose. Just, it, I just uh, went to went to the Picasso Museum in Barcelona, and mm. you know, it's just a small. The, he was so prolific, but that so, small a gathering of what it is. But to understand his personal story through the paintings and how brilliant he was at thirteen, and then how he evolved and evolved art to follow him. I think that's where, if we're in this industry, we desire to have a career that can meet the, those levels. And too much too much, just appealing to the dumbed-down environment or a financial requirement or dumb deals because your agent's trying to make money, <laughs> but leaning into who you actually are and why you make it, thats you'll have an entire career trying to get that out of you. Um, so it's awesome awesome work
1: absolutely and when you when you i think when you think along those lines your art becomes more truer right and that goes back to authenticity and like ah uh, how do they get stranger things right well i i think the duffler brothers are fairly introspective people <laughs> and, and, and and i you know i i watch wayward pines I, uh, you know they were writing on that before they went to stranger things and like you know understanding the human condition I'll, I'll i'll tell you guys i i'm looking at my bookshelf right now i mean i have finance accounting and i have books on art therapy I, that's what you need these days, right, in in, in media and entertainment. I I, I mean, you know, are, are you curing people with your art? I know that sounds a bit hippy-dippy, but if people are addicted to something or there's a yearning or, or, or there's, there's something unresolved within them that's pulling them to Yellowstone, why is that? What are people yearning for? Last 30 years, we've been in cities. Last 50 years, we've been in cities. So what is Yellowstone pulling out of us? Is there some sort of organic need to go back into the wild? That's interesting.
0: Yeah, very interesting, right. and connecting to the human condition, so that you can relate yeah. to them and and tell a story that they want to hear is really mm-hmm. really that's awesome. All right, we're you're coming back, or we're coming to you, <laughs> or something. I don't know what's happening, but uh, I pass, love this Anthony, you passed Anthony. <laughs> you passed. Good work.
1: You guys are a riot. No, I listen. I could talk to you guys all afternoon about this stuff. Like you guys are fascinating, and I I want to learn more about your backgrounds as well. Um, you know, I this. You know, it's funny, I when I was trying to get this class past media and entertainment, I had people asking me, well, why do MBA students need media and entertainment? I mean, everybody consumes this stuff. Everybody I mean, consumes this duh. stuff.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> and, the whole world needs to understand media and entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And every company these days is a media company. Your local dentist. Is a Media company, yeah, uh, your local right. lawyer is a media company. Everybody is yeah. Teenagers
0: yeah. a teenager's of media company, every in company and of themselves, on <laughs> <100 daily basis>. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you again for sharing with us and being yeah. part of this. And whatever yes, you guys you, think Anthony, that are linked or whatever, we should thank them for pulling this together to uh, connect us with you, Anthony. It's really, really great conversation. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so much. And uh, if you want to join Anthony at the University of Virginia, you're teaching the, what's the name of the class?
1: For second year students, I'm teaching media and entertainment businesses. So it's a brand new spanking class. So everything will be fresh.
0: So all you first year students at University of Virginia, listen up, take (laughs) this class. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. I don't care what your major is. This is the one you got to be taking. Thank you, sir. We look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you, guys.